a series of suffering as a Christian and uh, in this particular section we're dealing with the different degrees of suffering that a Christian um, can incur in this life. Um, in today's teaching we want to look at the lowest form of suffering that all believers are meant to incur, incur. and then we want to look at uh, the topic of seasons of suffering. But uh, we're going to open up with the passage of scripture that introduces us to the concept of suffering in the flesh. For this is the, the type of suffering that all Christians are called by God to in fact incur in this life. And so let's just read the passage and then we can uh, comment on it. 1 Peter chapter 4 beginning at verse 1 through to verse 5. He says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles, when we walked in lewdness, lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. And so here we see the concept that the scripture teaches us of suffering in the flesh. And um, this is the, as I said already, this is the lowest level of suffering that the Christian is call, called to incur in this life. And the reason that all believers are called to incur this, we see that in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 1, uh, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul says to us, uh, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. And so these physical bodies that we dwell in, if you understand the Christian walk, are sinful in nature. And so the Christian is required to present these bodies to God as a living sacrifice because our bodies are in fact the temple of God. And so all believers are meant to present their bodies to God in this area. But now, although God expects all believers to suffer in the flesh, sadly, uh, not a lot of believers really are prepared to endure this type of suffering. And so <clears throat> what you find is, is that some, some Christians will, you know, completely deny their flesh and thus suffer in the flesh. Other Christians will deny their flesh in some areas but not in others. And um, so we need to differentiate with the type of suffering that one can incur in the flesh. Um, so what does it actually mean to suffer in the flesh? Well, in this passage of Scripture, the Bible tells us that Christ suffered in the flesh for us. So what that means is that when Christ went to the cross, He died to, uh, to sin once for all. And that we pick up in Romans 6.10. And so when Christ died to sin once for all, he, he died to sin in the flesh. And that is why the, um, the Holy Spirit in this passage tells us to arm ourselves with the same mindset. Um, he says, <clears throat> arm yourselves also with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. And so the Apostle Paul teaches us in uh, the book of Romans, Romans 6.11, 
that we are to reckon ourselves to be dead indeed to sin. And so it is the sin that dwells within the flesh of um, mankind that wants to commit sin. The book of Romans teaches us very clearly on that issue. And so we are, as believers, we're to deny um, our fleshly desires to commit sin. Because even though we're born again and our spirits are new creations in Christ, the flesh remains exactly the same. And so the flesh doesn't change. The flesh still has the same sinful desires that it always had after the Christian is born again. And so the Apostle Peter does list some of those uh, sinful desires. He lists lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries and drinking parties and abominable idolatries. Now all of these practices the world like, loves to indulge in, basically, by and large. When before we came into the kingdom of God, we were part of that. We used to in, indulge in all of that. Um, now what the scripture teaches us, now that we've come into the kingdom of God, we are to deny those fleshly desires. And so when we deny those fleshly desires, then our flesh suffers. And so that's what suffering in the flesh is really all about. Let's have a look at another passage of Scripture where the Apostle Paul teaches pretty much the same truth that the Apostle Peter teaches. For he says in Romans chapter 13, verse 13 and 14, Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh, to fulfill its lusts. And so the Apostle Paul lists pretty much a similar list that the Apostle Peter lists here. He lists uh, drunkenness, lewdness, and lust. He adds in envy and strife. <clears throat> but the principle remains the same. He says, make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. And so when uh, the Apostle Peter says, deny the flesh, and that he says we're to suffer in the flesh, the Apostle Paul says, don't make any provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. And so our flesh, the flesh of the believer, does want to do all of this kind of stuff. Does want to get involved in drunkenness, lewdness, lust, strife, and envy. And we're not to allow that to happen as Christians. We are to deny um, our fleshly desires. And so when we do, that will then in, uh, bring about the point of we will then suffer in the flesh. The flesh will rebel against that. The flesh does not like to be told, no, you're not going to get into strife. We're going to walk in love. The flesh wants to react in strife. The flesh wants to argue. The flesh wants to you know, do all that it's always done. Um, and so as Christians, we are to dominate our flesh. And that's why a lot of Christians struggle in this area of suffering. Because... <clears throat> They never really uh, develop their spirits uh, to the point that their spirits dominate their Christian walk. And so throughout their Christian walk, what we see is that their flesh still dominates their Christian walk. And so they still, uh, you know, they, they struggle in these areas and they try and overcome, but they always succumb to it. The reason being is because they've never grown strong spiritually. And so as we... Um, mature in Christ, what happens is our spirit becomes more dominant and our flesh is, we, we're able to bring the flesh under more easily, as well, I suppose you can put it that way. The, the Apostle Paul said, 
I keep my body and, that, and I bring it into subjection, lest after having preached unto others, I myself should be found a castaway. And so even the Apostle Paul, who was a very spiritual believer, he still had to keep his body under all his life. It, it, our flesh doesn't go away and our flesh never changes. From the time we're born again until the time we go to be with our Lord Jesus Christ, our flesh remains exactly the same. It has the same sinful desires it's always had. Because if you understand the concept, there is the sin virus in the flesh of all mankind, including believers. Because when we come into the kingdom, God does not give us new bodies. We will receive our new bodies when our Lord Jesus Christ returns to the earth. And so, as I say, this is the, the lowest form of suffering that all Christians are called by God to endure. Um, and to incur, should I say. And, but it's up to the believer. Again, the will of the believer reigns supreme. God does not force the suffering on the believer. Again, Romans chapter one, uh, 12, verse 1 says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you, Christian, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. And so God does nothing with our bodies. God expects us, as believers, to present our bodies to Him, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto Him. So you cannot present your body holy and acceptable to God if you've been out drinking and partying the night before. You can repent and obviously then God forgives. But the point is, is the lifestyle the Christian is called to live is a lifestyle of one of holiness unto the Lord. And so when we walk in that degree of godliness... Another passage of scripture we can look at in Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. Again, the Apostle Paul writing on the same subject. He says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. And so that's the mandate given to Christians. We are meant to live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Now, how do we do that? We're to, not, to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. Now, what is the ungodliness and the worldly lust he's speaking about? He talks about make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. And so it's the flesh of the believer that wants to partake of dr drunkenness, envy, strife, division. All of that sinful nature... Um, resides in the flesh, and that's what the flesh desires to do. It's always done that. It always it has it only has capacity for that, and so the Christian is meant to um, deny that. Now, when the Christian denies their flesh the opportunity to react in strife um, and says no, we're going to react in love. Well, then the flesh suffers because now the flesh doesn't want to do that. The flesh wants to get into strife, but the spirit should dominate the Christian. And so the Spirit says, no, we walk in love. We're born of love. And so when the Christian says, that's what we're going to do, because it's as an act of our will that we choose what we're going to do. Again, as I say, this uh, degree of suffering is an act of our will. We decide, I'm going to walk in the Spirit. I'm not going to walk in the flesh in this. And so when I choose to walk in the Spirit, my Spirit rejoices, obviously, but my flesh suffers. And so this is the suffering in the flesh. It's denying your flesh the ability to commit the sin it desires to commit. And so yeah, it's, um, it, it's, a, 
this particular aspect of suffering never goes away because as I say our bodies never change as long as we're on the earth um, and so we always have to keep our bodies under but you can see Christians that struggle in this area and you can see straight away it's because they are weak spiritually and because they are weak spiritually this their flesh dominates the Christian walk and not the other way around it should be the other way around um, but nevertheless um, this is the, the, the mandate given to us by God. Let's have a look at another passage of Scripture, which again highlights another aspect of denying the fleshly desires. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 through to verse 26. The Scripture says, By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he looked to the reward. And so we see uh, the, uh, Moses, the um, Old Testament saint, Moses uh, being put forward to the church as an example of suffering in the flesh because he talks about the fact that in verse 25, Moses chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Now, the flesh finds sin pleasurable. The, the flesh does not find godliness pleasurable. Um, and so when the flesh is allowed to partake of sin in the world, well, then it's enjoying itself. When the, the flesh is... is uh, uh, prevented from partaking of the sin in the world, well then it, it suffers. And so the apostle, the apostle, the prophet Moses experienced this firsthand. Think about the situation that he came out of. He was the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now as such, uh, at his, in his age, in his day, he had access to immense wealth. Um, there, there was just no comparison to the wealth and prestige that was available to Moses in his day as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Um, I don't know, we don't want to do comparative in today's uh, world, but uh, think about, I don't know, um, a, a daughter of the, the Queen of, of, of England, for argument's sake. Um, you know, also, access, or son, rather, I suppose, access to immense wealth. Now, what Moses chose to do was to walk away from all of that because he looked at what he did. Verse 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. So uh, the treasures of Egypt was, were presented to Moses. Moses, if you stay with us and you carry on living as Pharaoh's daughter, this is what you have access to. Now, he had actually been exposed to it all of his life, by and large, because he was brought up as Pharaoh's son. And so he knew what he was then going to give up. It's not a case of, well, he just hadn't really been exposed to that, so he didn't really know what he was going to be missing out on. He knew exactly what he was going to be missing out on by walking away from that. And so he chose to do that because he, he esteemed the riches of, of Christ far greater than the treasures of Egypt. But the riches of Christ is eternal, because you think about what actually happened to Moses. He ended, ended up in the, in the backside of the desert, um, looking after his father-in-law's sheep. So, you know, from, from being 
um, really one of the rulers of, of the most powerful empire on the earth at that time to becoming a shepherd out in the desert. Huge change in, in um, prestige and wealth. You know, there's no comparative between the two. But Moses was prepared to do that. Now, when he did that, he denied the pleasures of sin. And he denied his, his fleshly desires. And so his flesh certainly suffered when he actually went ahead and did that. Now, you think about um, another comparative, and that's the, the rich young ruler that approached our Lord Jesus. And so when our Lord Jesus said to him, go sell everything you have, give to the poor, you'll have treasures where? In heaven, and come and follow me. That rich young ruler looked at the, the choice, and he couldn't pay the price. Moses could. Moses looked at the choice, and he was prepared to pay the price. The rich young ruler wasn't. And so you can see the eternal reward bestowed upon Moses for his choice made, because it wasn't, I mean, it, we, we tend to think, well, you know, Moses just made, yeah, it wasn't, uh, in, the, in the flesh, it was a hard choice to make. There are not a lot of Christians, I'm talking about believers now, I'm not talking about people in the world, there are not a lot of Christians that would walk away from immense wealth to follow after Christ. And so Moses did exactly that. The rich young ruler didn't do that. Our Lord told him to, he wouldn't do it. And so... It's, that's another area of suffering in the flesh that Christians are called to suffer. Now, God doesn't call all of his believers to sell everything they have, give to the poor, and follow after him. But what God does expect us to do is to be prepared to walk away from immense wealth if he calls us to do that. And that's where the Christian needs to walk and be guarded in. Because this is, as I say, this is another area of suffering in the flesh. And that's why our Lord calls uh, riches deceitful. He, he mentions that to us in Mark uh, 4.19. Because even Christians find it very difficult to walk away from wealth if the Lord calls them to do that. Because the Lord has a work for them to do. Because that's what happened with Moses. He was in that place of prestige and wealth. Lord, can't you use me in this place? Can't I make... Um, Fulfill your call for my life from what I... I mean, look at all the wealth I have available to me. Can't I deliver your children of Israel from this point? And God says, no. No, I want you out of here. I want you completely separated from this. And Moses had to do that. Now, when he did that, the scripture says he chose rather to suffer affliction. And so it's a choice that he gets made. This one is a difficult choice. A lot of Christian uh, struggle... In this area. Now, obviously, a lot of Christians in the world don't have access to immense wealth, and so it's not an issue in their lives. But I'm talking about believers that do have access um, to a fair amount of wealth to actually um, incur suffering in this area in order to follow after Christ. And again, I'm not saying that um, God wants everybody to be like the rich young ruler. In other words, you know, if you want to follow Christ, you have to go sell everything, give it to the poor, and then follow him. That's not the case, quite often and very often. Um, in fact, the majority of the time, if, if the Christian has immense wealth, the Lord leaves them there. But that immense wealth must not be a hindrance to what God calls them to do. And so if you find that Christ, the, the spiritual life of the believer has been hindered in any way, by the wealth that they have, well then you can know quite clearly they have not yet learned 
to suffer in the flesh in this area. And so it's, that's just another area of suffering in the flesh that the Christian is called to when our Lord speaks about it. Another passage of scripture, Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. The scripture says, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. And so the Apostle Paul is also speaking from first-hand experience as to suffering the loss of all things for Christ. For when our Lord called Paul into his kingdom, Paul had risen to, well, he was Saul at the time, had risen to great prominence within Judaism. He had a very, very bright future ahead of him as a rabbi, as a, a teacher. He, he learned under Gamaliel. Um, he was, you know, he was one of the, the, the young Jewish rabbis, rabbi, trainee rabbis, I suppose, who was earmarked by the, the, the leaders, the elders of Israel, this young man, we're going to take places. He's going to become a great leader within the Jewish community. Now, when he encountered Christ, he had a choice. You know, Saul, you can either now follow me, and when our Lord called Paul into the kingdom, right up front, Jesus told him, this is the suffering you're going to incur for my kingdom. And the Lord didn't pull any punches. The Lord told him exactly what was going to happen. The Lord told him at that time. In fact, Paul, you're going to have an angel allocated to you from Satan full time. And his whole, his whole purpose is to cause suffering and affliction in your life. Why, Lord? Why, why am I going to have that? Well, Paul, I'm going to give you such a degree of revelation about my word that I don't want you to become exalted. I'm you know, kind of having this conversation, but it, you can go look at the scriptural accounts. It's, it's what transpired. I don't want you to become exalted because of the excessive abundance of revelation that you're going to receive. And so in order to keep you humble in this area and that you don't get prideful in this area, I've allowed Satan to allocate an angel to you full time. And his whole job is going to be to persecute you wherever you preach my gospel. You're going to suffer because this angel is going to cause um, persecution to be raised up against you wherever you go. Now, do you still want to follow me? Or do you want to continue in Judaism where you have this bright future laid out ahead of you? You've been studying all these years to get to where you are. You're now at the point that everybody's recognizing you in the, among the Jewish community and you have a bright future ahead of you. What's your choice, Paul? Well, you still call Saul at that time. Uh, again, this is just kind of me paraphrasing what kind of transpired because it did happen. Paul had to weigh it up and he, had, he made that conscious decision. I'm going to walk away from all of that. He said, I suffered the loss of all things and counted them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Lord, I'm prepared to forget about all of that. That future's gone. My future's with you. It's not a very rosy future that you've painted for me in this life, but Lord, I'm willing to follow you. I'm willing to accept the suffering that you have uh, ordained for my life, that I may serve you, that I may gain Christ. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul did. And so, again, we just see that that's now suffering in the flesh. Because the flesh wants to 
um, gain prestige in this life. The flesh wants to have people saying to them, gee, you've really done well for yourself. Look at what you attained to. Look at the doctorates that you have and the positions you have on the university campus and all of, you know, you're really, you're a sought after speaker across the, 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 the earth. Um, and so the flesh loves that. And now they encounter Christ and Christ said, you need to forsake all of that and follow after me. I'm going to get you to go preach to, you know, people that you've never heard of before. You're going to go into little villages that no one's heard of before. And that's where you're going to go proclaim my gospel. You're not going to be teaching in the temple uh, as you have been accustomed to doing up to now. I'm taking you out of the university of the Hebrew University of Israel and I'm sending you to the farthest parts of the earth. Um, and so <laughs> flesh suffers. Lord, I've got to go from, from pre preaching at the best university in the world to go preaching in a little village that no one's heard about and just preach to and get maybe one or two converts there. Lord, that's such an extreme. And that's suffering in the flesh. The flesh says, no, don't do that. Stay here. And the Spirit says, no, we're going to follow after Christ and we're going to do what Christ wants us to do. And so that's suffering in the flesh. And that's the kind of suffering that the Lord has called us to. Now, the Lord has not called everybody to forsake, if you're a university lecturer, to forsake that and to go to preach to a little village out there. All I'm saying is the principle here is that we are to follow after Christ and whatever Christ wants us to do. If that incurs suffering in the flesh, then so be it. And that's, as I say, a lot of Christians uh, backtrack at this point. They say, no, Lord, that price is too high for me to pay. You know, use me where I am. Don't tell me to do that. Um, and, but when Christ does tell us to do it, we need to obey. Another passage of Scripture, 1 John chapter 2, 15 and 7 to 17. The Apostle John writing on the subject, and he says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. And so again, the Apostle John, well, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle John speaks about exactly the same thing. That we as believers are not to partake of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The pride of life, remember I mentioned to you about Paul, he was really at that place where he could become extremely prideful in what he had achieved. And God says, forsake it all, come here, do this for me. And so that incurred suffering in Paul's flesh in order to obey that. Uh, the Apostle John says we need to have the same attitude. And so the pride of life, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, Moses walked away from immense wealth to follow after Christ. And so flesh, Moses' flesh suffered in doing that. And we need to be mindful in this area um, that we're not to allow immense wealth, we're not to allow success in this life, we're not allowed to, to allow any of this life influence our walk negatively after Christ. And so if anything stands in the way of our, our following after Christ, well then it has to go. 
It cannot be that that prevents us from following after our Lord. And so that's where, and in, when it goes, if we make a conscious decision, Lord, I'm not going to partake of strife anymore in my life. Your flesh is going to you know, really suffer because it wants to. And so you need to be saying, no, we can walk in the Spirit in this area. And so when it comes to immense wealth and, and, and um, prestige in this life, walking away from that in order to follow after Christ, well, there's a balance, obviously, because it's not a case of God has now called all of us to go sell everything we have and go live in caves as hermits. That's not the, the lifestyle the Lord has called any of us to, really. I mean, even the Apostle Paul, who, who you know, suffered so much for Christ, he was out there in the world, ministering to the world. He didn't go and live in a cave as a hermit. That's not the will of the Lord for his saints. But, as I say, there is a balance, because God does give us richly all things to enjoy. And that's in 1 Timothy 6.17, the scripture says. And in context, what the Apostle Paul is talking about, he's talking about riches in this life. And so there is a balance. It's not a case of we're called to be hermits and we're called to give up everything in this life. But what it does mean is that in order for us to suffer in the flesh, there's going to be some sacrifices that we're going to have to make in the flesh in order to walk in the spirit. And that's where the Christian needs to, to walk. And as I say, a lot of Christians really do struggle in this area. Um, purely because they, they are weak spiritually and so they are still dominated by their, their flesh. And because they're dominated by the flesh, the flesh still enjoys its fleshly desires. It still enjoys the strife and the envy that it's always partaken of because the Christian is too weak spiritually to overcome the sin in the flesh. And so <clears throat> we need to grow up. But again, when we do, and we again, as a conscious act of our will, say no more to this, flesh, now we walk in this way, well flesh suffers. And that's the suffering that all Christians are meant to incur in this life. And that brings us to the, the last point I want to discuss in today's teaching, and that is the seasons of suffering that we are called to un undergo. Now as I said, suffering in the flesh, there's, there's no season to that, because the flesh never goes away. And so the suffering in the flesh is from the time we're born again until the time we leave the planet. That's just the nature of suffering in the flesh. But all other suffering that we incur in this life, by and large, there are seasons to that suffering. And let's have a look at a passage of Scripture. Acts chapter 18, verse 8 through to 11. Scripture says, Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his household. And many of the Corinthians herein believed and were baptized. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Do not be afraid, but speak, and do not keep silent, for I am with you. And no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. And so the Apostle Paul, who experienced great persecution for his walk with Christ, um, and great suffering, you know, we kind of briefly touched on it already. I mean, I think out of all of our Lord's saints, he pretty much endured most of it, more than others anyway. Um, even if the Apostle Paul had seasons of suffering and persecution, because we see in this passage of Scripture here, um, in the church at Corinth, our Lord appears to him and our Lord says to him, Paul, not to worry, I've got a lot of saints in this city, so no one's going to attack you in the city and hurt you. 
So you can go ahead and preach the gospel. And so for 18 months, the Apostle Paul had rest from suffering in the city of Corinth. And he could, you know, freely preach the gospel every day. And he just had a, a, a glorious time in the Lord. But you go read the scriptural account, end of that 18 month period, persecution broke out against the Apostle Paul once again. That angel pitched up and caused the, the persecution to, to rise up against Paul. And so his season of rest had come to an end, and his season of suffering had started all over again. But nevertheless, it was, the Apostle Paul went through seasons. And you go read his, his, his uh, life in the book of Acts, you can see that. That there were times that he, he went through great suffering, and there were times that our Lord did allow him, like in the, uh, this account we've seen here in Corinth, allowed him to then you know, have a, a rest, a break from his persecutions. And so we will not endure, our Lord didn't call the Christian to suffer persecution 24-7 uh, from the time they're born again until the time they go home to Christ. That's not the Christian life. And so if the Christian is suffering that much all the time, something's wrong because that's not, even our Lord didn't incur uh, persecution all the time. And so we need, there will be seasons of suffering and there will be seasons of rest. In our lives. Forget about the flesh now. Again, as I said to you, flesh is always going to be there and we're always going to have to keep our bodies under. Another passage of scripture we can look at along this line, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 through to 7. Scripture says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so we see that when we go through testings and trials in life, it's our faith that is being tested. The scripture says um, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold and perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise. And so it's always our, our walk of faith that is being tested when we are being persecuted for Christ. But the point that I wanted to raise from this passage is that he says, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. And so it's definitely a case in Scripture that there are, there are periods that we go through suffering. Um, we're not meant to incur suffering all the time. There is an end point to, so when we enter into our period of suffering, there is an end point to it. It will come to an end. Um, and we need to learn patience and endurance during the period of the suffering that does arise in our lives. We, we, we need to recognize we're called to suffering. So when it pitches, we don't run away from it. We go through it. We endure it. Because we know why, it, there's, there's an end point. It will come to an end. And... Our, my faith has been tested through this, and I need to stand fast in my faith. And if I do, I'm going to come out the other side stronger. I would have developed the fruit of patience in my life. I would now have become a stronger Christian. Let's have a look at another passage of Scripture uh, that deals with the same um, subject of suffering and also linking it to a specific time period. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 through to 10, the Scripture says, Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings 
are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered for a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. And so in this passage of Scripture, we see a number of truths that are revealed to us around the subject of suffering. For we see that the suffering is initiated by our adversary. He says, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And so when a Christian experiences any form of suffering in their lives as a Christian, well, all suffering really comes from, it's our adversary that is the initiator of that suffering that is pitched up in our lives. And so it kind of gives us a bit of a, uh, an insight and a, a, a helping hand as to how to deal with it. Because although the suffering comes through people and through circumstances, it is the demonic spirits behind the scenes that are initiating the, that suffering that's being brought into our lives through those people and through those circumstances. And so let's just deal with people for argument's sake. And so when people start to persecute us as believers, we don't react against the people because we recognize the people are being used by the demonic spirits behind the people. And so as Christians, we uh, overcome evil with good. And so when we are persecuted and reviled, we don't revile in return. So we don't re respond to the people. We walk in love to the people. But what we do is we pray against the spirits. So against those demonic spirits that are motivating the people to come against us, we deal with them in the spirit realm. We pray in the spirit. But in the, in the natural, when I say in the natural, in this life, dealing with the people, we walk in love. And so that's how we walk on two fields. We do not war against flesh and blood. We war against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places, Satan and Israel. That's where our battleground is. We take care of the spiritual forces behind the suffering that have been brought to bear in the Christian's life. But in dealing with the people who are being used to come against us, we react in love. So when they revile us and persecute us, we do not revile in return. We walk in love to them. But we deal with Satan and his uh, crowd differently. We war against them. So if we, we understand that. The other thing that the scripture tells us is that knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So, and so there's no suffering that any Christian goes through that is unique to them. All suffering that we incur in life has been incurred and is being incurred by our fellow believers um, right at the same time and has been incurred by our fellow believers throughout the ages. And so what the Christian is meant to do is look at fellow believers who have gone through that same type of suffering and have overcome. We look at them as our examples, how they got overcame, and then we follow that example. And that's, you know, that's, that's uh, how the scripture does kind of teach us, because the scriptures are put forward to us as examples. And so we look at Paul, how he overcame suffering. We look at our Lord Jesus, how he overcame suffering. And we follow their examples. And so, again, it's just, you know, Lord, I'm really going through a rough time. I don't think anybody's gone through what I've gone through. No, that's not true. Whatever we go through, everyone else on the planet, Christian, not everyone else, that, that's not the right statement, but there are many other believers out there that are going through exactly the same type of suffering that you are going through right now. And there are 
through the ages, there are many myriads of believers who have gone through exactly the same type of suffering that you are going through right now. And so none of our suffering is unique. All of it is common to many Christians in the body of Christ. And so we, what we need to be doing is looking to Christians who have overcome that area of suffering and how do they do it, and we follow that example. It just helps us to do it. But the other point that we want to obviously raise from this passage here is that after you, verse 10, after you have, su- have suffered a while, perfect, established. And so we will only suffer for a while. It is not that we are called to suffer 24-7 when we come into the kingdom of God. Um, there are going to be seasons of suffering. And so even you know, people like to put forward Job as, the, as, a, as almost the ultimate example of suffering. Although Job was a type of Christ. Because Job, God said it. Uh, he said the man was blameless and he had, there was no cause for what went wrong in his life. Because a lot of Christians battle with what happened to Job. Lord, there's got to be a reason. Why, you know, what, what was Job doing wrong that he incurred what he went through? God said, no, he was blameless. And so Job is a type of Christ because uh, he did nothing wrong to deserve the suffering he went through. Our Lord Jesus Christ did nothing wrong for the cross that he endured for us. And so that's the kind of thing. But the point that I wanted to make is that with regards to Job's suffering, people put him forward as an example. It's a legitimate uh, example to put forward. James puts him forward for suffering in James 5. And James, um, but we look at Job's suffering and we see that his suffering was only for a few months. And so there was a season that he went into suffering. It wasn't for a long, long period of time. Even our Lord Jesus Christ, when he incurred persecution and suffering in, the, in, the, in this life, the scripture tells us in Luke 4.13 that Satan departed from our Lord until he found a more opportune time. And so when our Lord went into the wilderness, it was for that period that he was tempted, and then Satan departed, and then Satan came back when he could uh, find a more opportune time. So even our Lord Jesus went through periods of suffering. It wasn't 24-7 that our Lord was persecuted. And we're going to end the teaching on that particular